0: Welcome to Career & Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve.
1: And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients.
0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we are talking about creating the right environment for people to thrive. In the workplace. And we feel like there are two aspects to this. So, the first one being from the point of view of, of, of you as the leader, creating that right environment for your team to thrive. And the second aspect being about yourself and creating that environment that allows you to thrive too. And then, ways that you can bring that together so that everybody's getting what they need and everybody's got that sense of safety and space within the workplace. But what we're going to do today is we're going to talk through. Five key elements that we've identified through talking to our clients and through our own experience that we feel are really important in creating an environment that people can thrive in. So what would you say the first one is Jackie? I think probably it's fair to say
1: we we had to hone it down. Like there were plenty of other contenders. So this really is our kind of top five rather than the only things that matter. But I think what really stuck out was that the first one was psychological safety. And that's a topic that we've talked about and mentioned on previous podcast episodes. And it's one that I'm sure at some point we'll do a dedicated episode or more because it is such a crucial thing. It really is the foundation that allows people to feel able to build engagement and trust and connect with other people in their day to day working life. So creating and consciously creating psychological safety, I think, is so important, particularly given for most of our clients, they're working still in hybrid situations or fully remote. There's not that many people that have gone back to full-time office. And one of the things that the research would suggest about psychological safety is that you have to be more intentional about creating it when people are not having those opportunities to naturally connect in an informal way. So the, the intentional creation of psychological safety is really the the bedrock of creating the environment. And for anybody that's listening that hasn't listened to previous episodes and is maybe wondering what the hell is psychological safety, it really is the extent to which people can completely be themselves without feeling that they are being blamed or judged or criticised for showing up in that way. So it's that aspect of you feel okay to be yourself, you p- feel okay to admit mistakes, you feel okay to ask for help, you feel okay to show who you really are rather than putting on that mask and trying to be the person that you think you're supposed to be when you're at work.
0: Yeah it's a really interesting one that isn't it because you do tend to do that don't you it's like almost when you walk through those doors or you log on in the morning you become this work person don't you and I suppose at some point in in all of our careers we're we're guilty of doing that because we want to fit in and we want to do the best work and everything and I suppose the thing with the psychological safety is if you know that your team are are not able to to have that space and it's not working like that at the moment for your team what would you say the first thing you can do to start implementing that because I think that's the thing isn't it because it sounds great when you talk about it but if you know that's not how your team are currently operating it's like where do you even start with that and I think you're
1: absolutely right I think people do have that question of how do I do it but also even before that there is a question of how do I measure it how do I actually know whether what I'm seeing from people is really the full picture or whether they are hiding things or whether they are keeping things so sometimes you will have signs and you will hear blame or judgment or criticism as an example and and that will be signs that there definitely isn't the psychological safety that there needs to be but you can also have this kind of sense where people seem to get along and nobody everybody rubs along okay nobody kind of has arguments and you might not be aware of kind of gossip or any of that real negative stuff but you also then don't have a measure of is that people putting on that kind of like you say that that mask that work person or is that really the true picture and i would say with this start really simple and start really small So there's an exercise that can be brilliant to do, and I've done it with new teams, and it's something that we can facilitate as well for newly formed teams, which is personal user manuals. And this is, if you Google it, you'll find some examples of it, but this is an exercise that can be really useful to do to take the emphasis off the kind of work and the tasks that need to be done and put the emphasis on the people and building that sense of connection and understanding of each other. Personality profiling in the episode where we talked about personality profiling, sometimes that can form the basis of it where everybody on the team has done a similar personality psychometric, but it doesn't have to be that. And actually, sometimes those can be a little bit of a step too far if there isn't already psychological safety because If people feel like their personality is being judged, then there almost needs to be that connection first. So personal user manuals is where people answer the same set of questions about themselves and share that within a team meeting. So this can be things like how to get the best out of me, how I like to be communicated with, the things that drive me up the wall, really quite simple things but when you share that, and that's it is important that they are quite simple, because I think if you try and go too deep and there isn't enough safety there, people won't give you that kind of full picture. But by answering some of those questions, what often happens is that there's some insights or some things that people around you who you have might have worked with for the last 12 months aren't already aware of. So I really like that exercise as a simple way to just kind of dip your toe in the water of creating a little bit more of that kind of connection and understanding of each other as a basis for building some more psychological safety if you're concerned that maybe isn't there.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. So what would you say the second element is? So the
1: second element that we said in terms of making sure that people can thrive is another one that's really simple, but it's one that often is missing. And that is creating clarity. So in the midst of kind of hustle and bustle, having loads of different projects on, spinning all the plates, if you've got a lot on your own plate, and you've got different team members with different specialisms, and they've each got a whole heap of things that they're working on, it's very easy for the clarity to be lost. And when you create clarity, what that does is gives people the focus. So a mentor of mine once said, and it's stuck with me ever since, clarity is knowing what needs to be done. Focus is getting it done. And very often I think there's a, a lot of attempt at, I need to be more focused. I need to get these things done. But if there isn't clarity about which are the most important things or why are those things important, then you can be a busy fool. You can be working really hard and doing lots of stuff but it doesn't feel like you're making progress or you don't feel like people might not feel like they know what contribution they're making if there isn't clarity about what are the real priorities here.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. And I think that is definitely a good thing to really think about at the moment as well, especially if you're thinking, how can I create an environment for my team? that that aligns with this where people are genuinely thriving. So what would you say the third thing was? So the third is to really encourage people
1: and to recognize that as a manager and leader, your job is to be an encourager and not a critic. It is to build people's confidence rather than tear it down. And I think incorporated within this are elements of a number of different management skills So in the episode that we did about radical candor, we talked about having those conversations with people and giving useful feedback that actually lands and the importance of combining that showing that you care for people personally and also giving that direct challenge when something needs to change. And I think one of the things that often happens when people hear about that is, oh yeah, constructive criticism, Developing people is all about helping them to fix the things that they need to fix. But what often gets lost is that sense of very often going back to that psychological safety. If people are having a confidence wobble, you won't necessarily know about it. So many people try and hide that because they don't want their manager or leader to know that they are struggling or finding things hard. And it's so important to notice the good stuff and to encourage that kind of progression and that shift and to recognise where things are going well. And it's very easy for that not to happen. It's harder to make sure it does. And this, for me, was something that I was very mindful of because I know that I've got high standards. I like to work at pace. I set those high standards for myself. And I was very mindful when I was leading and managing others that I could be very much focused on kind of the next thing and challenge and not enough on that kind of support and building up so it was something that I definitely had to work hard on.
0: Yeah, and I think the key with this, isn't it, is that real self-awareness piece as well. So it, you almost need to, to really understand and know yourself in order to, to make sure that you're providing that environment, or you're developing that environment for your team. And sometimes it can be quite difficult, can it? Maybe you're even listening to this and you're thinking, there's probably some team members that I've give a lot more criticism to than others. There's some that could definitely do with a confidence boost, but I don't really know where to start with that. And it's almost finding that balance, isn't it? Because generally in a team, you've got so many different people, different personalities, people working at different levels and providing different levels of output. And I think it's always hard, isn't it, to go, okay, let's find the time to see what each person needs on an individual basis. That's not maybe like an appraisal or maybe it is combined with that.
1: And I think you've talked about before, one of the things that you used to do was taking responsibility and owning things that happened within your team and almost providing that sense of cover, if you like, for your team members. And I think often that kind of encouragement and positivity can get lost if you feel frustrated or that someone's let you down on your team, it's easy to almost, oh, you're on your own now. <laughs> and oh, oh, that's how they feel. And I think that behavior that you described is, is so important of making sure that people know that it, it's not the ends of the world. If something hasn't gone brilliantly, they're almost certainly going to feel it. And you need to be the one to help them take the learnings from it, understand why did it happen And again, linking it back to psychological safety, it's not about blame or criticism. It's about understanding what what didn't happen here. And very often it can link to that piece around clarity because I know that I've been guilty of, I'll be frustrated and it would be very easy to criticise somebody or to show that I'm frustrated that they've either done things in what I perceived was the wrong way or they've not done something that I thought was important And actually, when I've reflected, it was because I hadn't been clear. I hadn't set that expectation. So I can't blame them for not meeting it.
0: That is the thing, isn't it? Because like I've said before, self-awareness within this is huge, isn't it? Because it is almost going, what is going wrong in the team? what do we need to improve in the team? Where could we be better? Where can I help individuals to be better? And that self-awareness piece is huge in that, isn't it? Because sometimes you do need to look at yourself and go, did I not provide the right level of support? And it's a hard question to ask yourself, isn't it? Especially when you're busy and especially when it's go, which pretty much is in most workplaces, isn't it? It's almost like you don't get a chance to breathe. And doing all of this extra stuff can sometimes feel like an extra task, but I suppose it's that implementation, isn't it? And that consistency with it, that ultimately what you do is you create that environment for people to thrive and then they will thrive. They will do their best. The outputs will be greater. The productivity will be higher, but it's just getting to that point, isn't it? When you're in that busy space.
1: It is. And it's very easy to forget in the heat of the moment that people perform better when they feel confident. So it's very easy to react rather than to respond at times where you're frustrated, you're under pressure, a lot going on for you can very easily create those moments where you tear somebody's confidence down and it's not necessarily deliberate and it doesn't make you a bad person if you've done that by mistake or you've shown frustration. But what it does mean is that when you intentionally look for opportunities to build people's confidence and to help them recognize that you have got their back and to help them recognize that you believe in them and believe in their potential, the more that you do of that, then at those odd times where things have gone awry and mistakes have been made, they're going to know that you think well of them and you believe in them and that actually this needs sorting and we need to get on it quick, but it means that you don't necessarily get that same reaction of them then retreating or underperforming because overall, they feel good about their performance and they recognize and people want to do a good job then. When you are the person that builds them up and that helps them to maintain their confidence, people will follow you and walk over hot coals for you. When you're somebody who tears people down and constantly critiques, you're going to put them back into their shell and make them apprehensive and make them back off.
0: Yeah, I think that is so true. So what would you say the fourth thing was? So the fourth one that we picked
1: out was flexibility. And there are all kinds of ways of being flexible. So this can be down to working patterns, it can be about recognising that somebody has other stuff going on in their life and there will sometimes be limits, but I think very often as a manager, there's almost that sense of what can I do within the bounds of what the business allows in terms of flexibility. But then there's also those elements of your discretion and you showing leadership by recognizing and the more flexible that you are With people, the more that you demonstrate that trust, the more that you demonstrate that you want them to have balance, then the more, again, they will give back. Almost a bit of an emotional bank account where the more you invest and the more you put in, then if you need people to pull all the stops out, if you need people to do something where it might be tricky for them or to push themselves out of their comfort zone or to step up at the last minute. They're much more prepared to put themselves out when you've been flexible with them. If you've been really rigid, if you haven't shown that kind of willingness to bend and flex, you absolutely cannot expect it of other people.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that, and you do really see the difference, don't you? When you give people that space and you provide that level of um, flexibility, that you will get it back. When you know, there's always that time when you've got to deliver something with very little notices in there, and people will just pull out the stops because they feel like it's time for them to give back or get stuck in, and it does really create that that real team feeling, doesn't it? When that happens as well, and I've done so many. I, I'm just thinking about exit interviews where I've talked to people
1: who are leaving and they've talked about these kinds of things Of, and, and they'll often talk about the company won't allow this or the company won't allow that. And for me, I'm sat there thinking that's not the company's decision. That's very much a discretion of your manager or leader that gets to make those decisions. That's part of what comes with being a manager or a leader is you have to exercise your judgment. And I think that is so important when you step up into leadership roles is to recognize that sometimes you have to make those judgment calls. So I think it's about having being mindful of how you create that as a leader, a manager, and how you ensure that is fair and not being unwilling to bend and not being obstructive and reliant on policy and procedure, but also understanding that you've got to recognize that if you're going to do it for some people, you've got to make sure that you're aware of the precedent that might set and the understanding of how does that work. But yeah, absolutely. Take the initiative, take the ownership of creating that flex and people will give more as a result of it.
0: Yeah, definitely. What is the final one then? So our final
1: one, interestingly, is one that I don't think it would have even occurred to me when I was employed, and that is make it fun, make it enjoyable. And I was very much—I remember being in meetings and somebody was talking about fun, and I was like, "We're at work; it's not supposed to be fun." And <laughs> and when I look back, I'm like, "God, what a miserable cow I was!" <laughs> I wasn't—I wasn't that miserable, but. For me, when I was employed, I'd lost sight of how valuable it can be to create that sense of fun and enjoyment. And again, when you're intentional about that and about recognizing how valuable that can be, it just gives those lighter moments. It just, you can't always enjoy every moment of work. But if you seek to create those opportunities for fun and enjoyment, then that goes
0: a long way. Yeah, definitely. You you've got to include some element of fun because otherwise it's just you spend so much time and work, don't you? It's probably spend more time at work than you do at home with your family. So if there's no fun, it just becomes monotonous. And I always feel like when there isn't any fun, and when it is that kind of monotonous, it's the same thing every day, same processes, same routines, and everything. It can, it can make people start to doubt that they're in the right place, that it's not the right job for them, when actually they probably just need a different environment rather than a different job or a different career path. It's, it's the environment, isn't it?
1: And I think it's thinking about what would create a bit more fun and enjoyment. And they don't have to be big things. And I think it's important as well to recognise from a kind of cultural perspective that not everybody Gets fun or enjoyment from the same things. And so you've got to recognize that it's not about what you think is fun and enjoyment and imposing it on other people, but about finding the things that can potentially draw people together. And sometimes actually having something that's just a bit more relaxed and that's not constantly a hundred percent on can just allow people to find some of that natural enjoyment so it doesn't have to be a big whoa everybody's got to have forced fun it can be the simpler smaller things as well
0: yeah definitely one of the things that when when I was back in the corporate world a manager that I had very much gave us the freedom to to work where it suited us so we, we were very much field-based but We could work from whichever site. There was quite a few different sites. We could work from whichever site we wanted to. And even things like there was a bank of hot desks that people would have a little bit of banter. People would be chatting as they're working. They'd be having a cup of tea at the desk and things like that. But then there was other banks of hot desks where everybody worked in silence because they just wanted to get their head down and get the work done. I suppose as well, it's also... Like giving people that the, the right spaces, isn't it? So, depending on what you class as fun, like you've said, it might be that you go together, go to go for lunch together, or it could just be where you sit, the option to sit in different places. There's so many different things that you can do that work for many different people and make sure that everyone's feeling that sense of fun and enjoyment in coming to work and having that communication and interaction with other people.
1: Yeah. And- it really doesn't have to be big stuff. It doesn't have to be a once a year, big gesture, little and often, and taking some of that shift and emphasis away from work and task and onto individuals and a less formal kind of feel can make such a difference. And going back to the episode, we talked about burnout, that In essence, is that thing of when you're constantly pressure and no relaxation or downtime, that's when you're ramping those steps up. So it's little and often, it's simple things, it doesn't have to be complicated.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that's probably the message to leave everyone with isn't it from this week's episode like it doesn't have to be complicated but it's just good to start thinking through some of those different elements and seeing if there's any that you can start to implement within your team to create that great environment where people really can thrive so thanks for listening this week we hope you've enjoyed this episode and please don't forget to share it with anyone who might find it useful too And as always, don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platforms. And we'll be back next week with another episode.